Noelle, my wife, and we're uh, each other's new adopted family. So she's the wild one. <laughs> Y'all stand with us.
teach you um, a new song, maybe new to you. Uh, it's one that the uh, East Campus um, we love, and uh, it's one of our favorite songs. Uh, it's called When I Don't Know What to Do, and um, I hope that it ministers to you as much as it does us. Lord, I surrender all to your strong and faithful hand. In everything I will give thanks to you. I'll just trust your perfect plan. When I don't know what to do I'll lift my hand When I don't know what to say I'll speak your praise When I don't know where to go I'll run to your throne When I don't know what to think I'll stand on your truth when I don't know what to do. Lord, I surrender all, though I'll never understand. All the mysteries around me. Oh, but I just trust your perfect plan when I don't know what to do. I lift my hands when I don't know what to say. Ooh, I When I don't know what to think on your truth When I don't know what to do As I bow my knee Send your perfect peace, send your perfect peace, Lord. As I lift my hands, let your healing come, let your healing come to me. 
as I bow my knee. Send your perfect peace. Send your perfect peace, Lord. As I lift my hands, let your healing come. Let your healing come to me. As I bow my knee, send your perfect peace. Send your perfect peace, Lord. As I lift my hands, let your healing come. Let your healing come to me. As I bow my knee, send your perfect peace. Send your perfect peace, Lord. As I lift my hands, let your healing come. Let your healing come to me. Oh, oh. When I don't know what to do, oh, I lift my hands. When I don't know what to say, oh, I'll speak your praise. When I the road when I don't know what to think I'll stand on your truth when I don't know what to do I'll lift my hands when I don't know what to say I'll speak your praise when I don't know where to go, I'll run to your throne. When I don't know what to think, I'll stand on your truth. When I don't know what to do. Good morning, everyone. This morning we have the opportunity, as we do each week, to uh, participate in this beautiful communion meal. Um, one of the things I was thinking about this week as we thought about communion is just how simple of an act this is. Um, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he gave us a meal. He didn't give us just a, a deep theological precept to, to meditate on or I didn't say some magic words, do this in remembrance of me. He said, do this, take of this meal. And there's something about a meal that is relational, right? That we can invite others to eat a meal with us. So there's something in this that Christ revealed himself as desiring relationship with us. And it's relational also in the sense that we take this communion meal with people all throughout the world and all throughout the ages and those that are in here today. And there's been a lot of ways to try to explain exactly what happens when we come to the table. And, and I don't know exactly what happens. I don't think any of us do. But there's some sort of mystery of grace where Christ, through relationship, meets us at this table. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful that you came to us, that you desire relationship with us, that when we don't know what to do or where to turn, that, that we can trust fully in you because you're faithful and you've proved yourself faithful over and over again. So this morning, as we come, we bring all of our brokenness. We bring all the places that we failed. Lord, we even bring all of our triumphs and the, the places that we feel good. And, and we lay all of that down to you. And we trust and we recognize our dependency on you. Thank you for this beautiful meal that you've invited us into. May we be a people who live to invite others to the table. 
We trust you, Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to continue in worship here as we partake in communion. You'll notice that um, rather than servers this morning, we actually have them at different tables. So that should be pretty self-explanatory. The ushers will, will guide you to the tables.
me feel thy holy spirit truly know that thou art mine I surrender to trust you. Help us to trust your goodness. God, help us to let go of the crutches that we rely on to hold us up. And help us to come to you, our refuge, our help. Have mercy on us. Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I forever and trust in His Lord, that that would be the cry of our heart this morning, that all that we have, um, that all that we are would be surrendered to you. So this morning, all the things that we're facing and we're struggling with, we surrender that. And all the things that we have recognized, we felt just good on our own merits and accomplishments, we surrender that too. We, we give you everything that we are. Lord, I ask that you would, um, we surrender this community and this new church that you're forming to you. Would you guide us and protect us and lead us? Lord, our heart is that your voice would be the loudest voice that we would hear, that we would hear you speak, that we would even hear your gentle whispers in our ears. Lord, we do believe that for, as a body for ourselves, but also individually. I just pray that those that, that need that especially this morning, that they would hear your whisper of grace in their ear, that you love them, that they are incredibly special to you. Lord, may we be formed by your grace. We love you, Lord. We trust you. In the name of Jesus.
good to see everyone this morning. Uh, thank you, Ben and Noel. I really appreciate you guys being here. <laughs> Why don't you take a few minutes and greet some people around you? We've got a few uh, extra minutes this morning. So find somebody you don't know, greet them, and we'll come back together. All right. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Preston Sharp, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at the Life Connection. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um, We're so glad that you're here this morning. We hope that you have felt welcomed and embraced as you came in. Um, some really exciting things are happening in the life of our church right now. For those of you that haven't been around, we are, are um, taking another step in our journey as a community as we actually merge with another church, blend with another church. I've been using this uh, marriage analogy of uh, two people coming together with different strengths and weaknesses and really uniting their lives. Well, we as two communities, Sanctuary, which is a, a community in South Tulsa, and the Life Connection are blending our two lives together. And already really awesome and really exciting things are happening. Um, I know my mom was saying that um, quite a few of the sanctuary ladies have been coming to some of the women's events here, and our staffs are already working together and just having a great time. And there's a great, we've been using the word synergy. It's a great synergy that's been happening with these two communities as we've come together. And this morning, we actually have a really great opportunity. Um, the, uh, our two senior pastors are actually switching pulpits this morning. So... My dad and mom are preaching over at the Tulsa campus, which is kind of the language we're using now, the Tulsa campus this morning at 9 and 11, and Ed Gunger will be here this morning to teach with us. We're, we're also dealing with our first challenge when it comes to these two communities in that they are not here yet. <laughs> yes, you can laugh for a long time, so you've got a lot, a lot to do here. Um, but, but we are very excited about this. They should be on their way. They actually should be here in about five minutes. So um, you can go ahead and prepare your offerings now to give. We are going to take the offering first. Um, as, we, as you know, this is the time that we take to <laughs> keep going. No, seriously, I do want to talk about the offering, though. 
Like, that's not a stretch thing. I do want to talk about the offering. Like, um, we, uh, we do believe that the offering is a form of our worship. It is part of our worship. Our whole lives are worship. So when we sing, we, we kind of call this singing time worship, um, and we call Sunday mornings worship, and that's true. But all of our lives are worship, which means even our resources and how we spend our money is how we are worshiping God. And so we believe that as we give this, um, this portion back to God through the church, uh, that beautiful and amazing things are happening in the world. Well, let's pray together. Lord, we are, uh, we are thankful to be here, and we are thankful for what you're doing in our midst. Uh, Lord, thank you for the exciting things that are happening. Lord, thank you that when you do something and your spirit moves, that it's even beyond what humans can possibly do. Um, even in our own creativity and, and our own energies, Lord, we are really, we are dependent on you, as we said earlier. And so we just ask that um, you would create something beautiful here. We trust in that. We believe that this is of you, and the path that you're taking, on, taking us on is of you. And so we put our lives completely and totally in your hands. Lord, thank you as we give this morning that you bless this for your kingdom uh, and for what you're doing in the world. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just took the offering. Perfect time. Oh, boy. Stretch, yes. Well, I'm sorry? Am I the new? <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm sure you've enjoyed the Lord already, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Ed is actually going to speak to you this morning, and he is, he came with us, but he had to run back to his car, and so... Uh, um, one of the challenges this morning is their first service starts at 9.15, and uh, we're going to be changing that to 9, and so it won't, we won't have quite the shuffle that uh, we're experiencing this morning, but it was a little bit of a shuffle this morning, so um, I was going to wait till he walked in the room to actually tell you about him, but we are um, excited about this process, and, and we had an opportunity, Janice and I spoke at... Uh, their service this morning, and we're going to be leaving here in just a few minutes and going back and speaking at their next service. And, and then next week, we'll all be back kind of normal like we have been. And then again, two weeks on the 23rd, uh, we're going to be um, in this new format. And so we'll be having a 9, 9 a.m. service here, October the 23rd, 9 a.m. service here, uh, 11 o'clock service here as well. And then there will be a 10 o'clock service over on the memorial um, South Memorial, Channel 47 area. Many of you know where that's at. And so um, 
but things are just going so wonderfully behind the scenes, and we have had a chance to connect with their, uh, uh, their staff and just collaborating with the pastoral teams, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so I'm going to, um, without further ado, are you, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Do you remember what your name is? Yeah. Okay, good. Very good. Okay. And so, um, again, we're just, I'm just excited for you to be, many of you know um, Ed and have for many years, many of you um, participated in, in the church that started here in Believer's Church many years ago. And so you've, uh, matter of fact, probably half of you that I run into have said, gosh, I have had experience there and I'm just looking to, excited about how this is just feels like full, full circle on how God's bringing this all back around. And so we are we're honored to be involved with Ed and Gail. We're excited about this journey. And so I'm going to ask him to come and share his heart with you this morning. So would you uh, welcome this morning, Ed Younger. So, sorry about power dressing this morning. I had, uh, we were doing baby dedications, and the only time my wife doesn't let me wear jeans is when we dedicate babies or do weddings. So praise the Lord, I'm beautiful today. We are, we think God is behind what is happening in our context with the two communities, and I want to talk to you about that this morning. Before we do that, let me have you stand up and let's pray together, <clears throat> or at least pray for me. Um, <clears throat> God, we are so grateful that you are always um, smack in the middle of our lives, and we're trusting you that that is exactly what's happening now as we talk about these two wonderful communities facing each other, moving together, all of the moving parts that happen in that, all of the chaos that happens in those kinds of contexts. It's not unlike two lives and a marriage coming together. It's, uh, it's a lot of opportunity for confusion and chaos, but for hope and a future. And so we trust you to that end that you'll speak to us and help us process. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, go ahead and be seated. There's a text in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19 that says, See, I am about, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God does new things because he's a creator. And um, he didn't just used to be a creator. <laughs> he is a creator. And what that means is he still does stuff. For example, one of the core reasons why the vast majority of Christ followers are not pro-abortion is, is simply because of the belief that whenever life begins in the womb, that God was involved. And that somehow he, he does a unique creation in that process. That God creates something that never existed before. That he's, a, he's involved and engaged. The claim is that each one of us is an on-purpose dream come true from God as creator. We see texts like Psalm 139 and 13 that, that sort of claim this. For you, the writer, the psalmist says, created my inmost being. He says, you knit me together while I was in my mom. <laughs> he says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So again, this is the idea that God is creating, that we may be the father and the mother of our children, but the scripture says he's the father of the spirit. 
and that somehow every time a child comes into the world, God creates that child. He didn't create him. He still is. And this text from that we started with, that see, I do a new thing, is not, uh, shouldn't surprise us. Even though a lot of times what God puts together is a surprise. Right? There are things that he does in our lives, ideas he places in our lives, people we run into, circumstances that uncover that we go, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And so it actually makes, kind of, it makes life kind of romantic, right? Our faith with God where he is engaged and involved in bringing things that are surprising that we don't always see coming, but it's still God involved in it. What's interesting is whenever God's involved in a creative gesture, even though there may be surprises and even though his paths of doing things that Paul said are not traceable. In other words, God is too big to put a piece of tracing paper over. You can't trace him. He does stuff that he wants to do. Jesus said one time that those that follow the spirit are like the, the wind. You don't know where they're coming, don't know where they're going. How many of you have felt like that? You don't know where you're coming, where you're going, or whether you're coming or going. I love the, the story of Abraham. When God speaks to Abraham, he says, I'm calling you to a place called there. And Abraham's going, well, where is there? And basically, God is saying, I'll tell you when you're there. So there's this degree of mystery that faith sort of engages us with. Uh, but there's a creative pattern. Even though we may be surprised by things, there really is a creative pattern. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. It's best seen in the book of Genesis, which is called the book of beginnings. And I want to start in Genesis 1.1, great place to start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and what that's saying, first of all, is God's outside of time. There was no beginning. The clock starts when creation occurs. You know, when we were kids, we used to hold our breath under the water, and we'd tell somebody, okay, we have somebody doing the stopwatch, and they'd start as soon as we went under the water. <laughs> they started it. See, time doesn't even start until creation happens because God's outside of time, and, and time somehow is strangely linked to creative events. So when God ever does a new thing in our lives, it's like he's going, he's got something in play. He's got something in mind that's attached to sequential events, that is attached to something that we know is time. But not only is it true that when creation begins, that time begins, it's also true from biblical thought that everything that we see is created out of nothing. That when God creates, he's bringing something to bear that was not there, right? So we read in Hebrews 11, by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So in other words, whatever you see didn't come from something. It wasn't like God took stuff from his domain and reconnoitered it and made it into this. I mean, he, whatever we see came out of nothing. It was, it, was, it was Augustine who called this, he used the, the Latin phrase, ex nihilo. And what ex nihilo meant, nothingness. That somehow in the creative gesture, in the creative impulse, in the creative trajectory, God always starts with nothing. 
And in that kind of process, creation is bringing something out of nothing. There's ex nihilo, and then God creates. In the beginning was the heavens and the earth, and it came out of nothing. What happens next is interesting. We see in Genesis 1-2, after things come out of nothing into something, whenever something comes, what it, the something is, he describes in verse 2, the earth was formless, empty, darkness. That's what comes out of nothing. Formlessness, emptiness, darkness. We have another word for that. And that word is chaos. The trajectory of creation starts ex nihilo and lands in chaos. I think that's so interesting. Because why wouldn't God just go from nothing to absolute perfection? Where everything is fruitful. But for some reason, he likes process. <laughs> and, and a lot of times when something starts, it gets messy. And it's the messiness that God sort of enjoys. <laughs> and not only is it messy and there's chaos, the last part of that verse says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness, but there wasn't anything before, but whatever it is now is there, it's formless, empty, and dark. But it was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God is the other part of this in creation, that when chaos is there, somebody else is there. The Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says he was hovering. Interesting word, hovering. It actually means to brood like a hen. You know, if you, if you've seen, you know, pictures and, and things about this issue of hens. They sort of sit on eggs. And the reason they're sitting there is because they're brooding. And if you look deep into a chicken's eyes, <laughs> that's sitting on the eggs, you know what you see? Baby chicks. In other words, the reason the hen is there is because the hen is anticipating new life. The reason the hen is patient is because there's an expectation of something that isn't present yet. Present in seed, present in potential, but not present. And so in this, this, sort, of, this, this sort of trajectory of creation, whenever God started, and I would suggest when God creates today, there's this sense of something comes out of nothing, but then you enter this time of chaos where it's jacked up with potentiality, but uh, you can't make much out of it. It's sort of chaotic. There's confusion. And yet, there's this hope. Something good's going to happen. There's this expectation that the Holy Spirit is present. And that if you look into His eyes, there's a plan unfolding. Now then, we start in verse 3 of Genesis, and we read this very provocative text. It says, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. It's very interesting. God saw things that are good, even though they weren't finished. 
A lot of times we don't think anything's good unless it's finished. So he's, he, he, God called the light day. He called the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now what's, what's really interesting about this is that the sun and the moon and the stars, which we normally equate with light and darkness, were not created until the fourth day. So what is this? I mean, what, what are the day and the night here? What is the light and the darkness here? Now, the early church fathers wrote about what they thought. We'll come back to that in a minute. Interesting. Then in verse 6, it says, God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate. Everybody say separate. Separate, separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse of the water above it. So he makes the expanse above it the sky and then the Below was water, and there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the second day. And then God again says, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let dry ground appear. There's no fruitfulness. There's nothing in the water. There's nothing in the ground. There's nothing in the sky. It's just a bunch of separation. And God called the dry, land, dry ground land, and he called the gathered waters seas. And again, even though there's no fruitfulness, God said it was, it was good. And what happens here in the next phase of creation is order. So you move from nothingness, you enter into this chaos, but as it continues to move, you hit order. God begins to set. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> a little chaos. <laughs> God sets up this, this, this begins to separate things and, and take what's chaotic and sort of push this here, push this here, sky, ground, waters, push it apart and starts ordering things. And after it's ordered is when God ultimately says it ends up as... Is good. This is the ultimate trajectory of creation is good. Now, when God, even though he calls it all good, when it's all done on the Sabbath, what does he call it? Very good. <laughs> it's the zenith. It's, it's kind of what the Greeks would call the, the telos. It's, it's this notion that when something hits its potential, it's when a, a little child grows up to be a functioning, contributing adult. That little child has hit its telos. Uh, and, and not only do they use the word telos, they use this other little interesting word. It's the word ergon. And what the word ergon means is that, that when you hit your ergon, when you get your ergon, <laughs> it's, it's when you find the the thing that makes you tick, the thing that you contribute that's uniquely you. Uh, the ergon of a saw is when it saws. The ergon of a hammer is when it hammers. If a hammer tries to saw, it's out of sync with its ergon. Right? When a saw tries to be a screwdriver, it's out of sync with its ergon. So this notion of finding your telos and finding your ergon is this notion that you've hit the creative trajectory and behold, it is very good. Now, all creative things that God does, I would suggest to you follows this 
trajectory. Every time there's something that happens in your life that's creative, it follows this trajectory. Boy meets girl. There's nothing there. Ex nihilo. But after they meet, something stirs. Fairly chaotic. <laughs> Mixed up feelings. Cute. I don't know. Trustworthy. Not sure. Right? And they start entering into this chaos. And through the first course of the relationship, the chaos begins to order and things get separated. And yeah, yeah, I like this about her. I like this about him. This makes sense. We seem to come from the same background. Things start getting ordered. And the more order that comes, the more goodness emerges. And what ends up happening at some point is if, if it all goes well, what was nothing becomes a marriage. That's very good. You have a business idea. Came out of nowhere. Ex nihilo baby. You never thought of it before, but it's this new idea. What's the first thing that happens? A little chaotic. How would I do this? That's, I mean, this challenge is this. I mean, what, do I have to go back to school? I mean, what does this mean? I've got to do an investigation. It's all kind of confusing. There's a lot of darkness on the surface of the deep, but there's some sense of expectation. What if I did this? What if? And you feel this sense, if it's a good thing, of the Holy Spirit maybe leading it. You look in his eyes and there's a business in his eyes and the hen's eyes. Right? And so you start to order. You start to think it through. You start separating. Well, we could do this and then we could do that, but then we wouldn't have to do that. We could do that later. You separate it. And the more it orders, all of a sudden you get to the point where it's very good and you have a business where there was nothing. Creative gesture. See, this is the same thing that we're processing through even the coming together as communities. You know, that came ex nihilo. Right? This idea sprouted up, and we began to talk about it, and it was like, okay, this could be pretty chaotic. Merging of communities, merging of volunteers, merge, I mean, all this stuff you're talking about is lots of chaos. So we began to talk over weeks about what would that look like? What, could, what would be this? And what would be true here? And what would be true here? We began to separate it, talk it through. And yet there was a sense of anticipation, sense of hope that we took a long time because we were sort of processing it in our souls, saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What's happening? You know, you have the right to write out a check on this. Don't stop it, right? And so somewhere along the way, we feel that it was a good idea. The truth of the matter is, you're actually jumping in October 23rd. And you know where we are? <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> and it'll probably take us about a year to get good. <laughs> Another thing to point out in this whole kind of idea of a creative trajectory is that creation is never static. It isn't like once you go through this process, everything's good forever. Because the God who creates is the God who sustains. It's like, it's like if you have children or you have grandkids, you know this idea that when you're pushing them on a swing, it isn't one push that works. You have to keep pushing. We've got, we got four little grandbabies now, and one of them is three, and, uh, you know, she's one of those, you know, I take her and I throw her up in the air. And I throw her up in the air. You know what she says? Again. <laughs> throw her up again. You know what she says? Again. Throw her up again. You know what she says? Again. Until my arms 
are falling off. And I say, Papa, I cannot do again. I cannot sustain this. <laughs> it may be good, but I can't sustain it. See, the reality is that is exactly what's going on is that the only reason the world and the universe is good is because God is sustaining it, and the reality is he doesn't get tired. Right? The motion of the planets, the reason it continues is because God is saying, again, the seasons would not be happening if God wasn't saying, again, you wouldn't have woken up this morning if God hadn't said, again. <laughs> God is the God of again. And the reason that he sustains it is because he's all-powerful and he's committed to sustaining the good. Think of it this way. Creation is like a song. And it's not just a song in a book somewhere. Creation is a song that God is singing, actively singing. And not only did he sing it, he wrote it. How many know the song Zippity-Doo-Dah? Right? You how many did not think about that song this morning? See, it, was, it wasn't present. It's not present. Okay, let's make it present. Ready? Zippity-Doo-Dah, Zippity-Yay. My, oh, my, what a There's plenty of sunshine coming our way. Zippity doo da, zippity yay. See, we're making the song present because we're singing it. The idea here is that God is singing the sunrises, He's singing the sunsets, He's singing planetary motion, He's singing subatomic activity. And the only reason this world is here is not because of some static laws that were put into play where God has left. But it's because God is sustaining it. He has invested himself in creation. And the reason that we're here is because he's in it. That's why Acts says, for in him we live and we move and we have being. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians, he is the invisible, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authority. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Zephaniah wrote, you ought to read this book, it's only three chapters. You're probably asking if you read it. But Zephaniah says in the Amplified, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of your past sins or even recall them. And he will exult over you with... What if the reason we're bringing or we're breathing is because... He's singing us. What is the reason you're breathing? Is because he's singing you. See, that, that's the claim of the creator. The idea is that God sustains creation. It means that creation's not static. It means that creation doesn't just have beauty. It doesn't just have form. 
It doesn't just have order. It doesn't just have grandeur. Scientists would like to tell you it's just, this is what it is. These are just laws that are static. What if they're not? What if they're laws because he makes sure they're laws? I mean, what this means is that, is that creation doesn't really have beauty. It has borrowed beauty. It doesn't really have order. It has borrowed order. It's like the moon. You know, when you're a little kid, you think the moon is shining. That the moon has light. It isn't only till later that you discover it's a lie. <laughs> the moon has no light. All it has is craters and a dark side. But it has borrowed light. It borrows the sun's light. See, what the idea here is that creation has borrowed order, borrowed beauty, borrowed grandeur, and that the only reason it has that is because God sustains it. And if God would step out, it would go into disorder, chaos, and nothingness. Because just like there's the creative gesture, there's the anti-creative gesture. Where all of a sudden, you can have a great marriage, a good marriage, that can, because of contingencies and a lack of care or whatever's going on can move into disorder. And then a marriage can get chaotic. And then all of a sudden, a good marriage can all of a sudden turn into a marriage that doesn't exist at all. A friendship. A business. Can as well as it can become into the creative gesture, can be in an anti-creation gesture. Augustine, fourth century from his book, The Confessions, brilliant book. I like to read dead people. He wrote this, quote, in filling all things, he's praying to the Lord, in filling all things, you filled them all with the whole of yourself. See what he's saying? That nothing would have strength if you stepped away. He also wrote in the same book, for wherever the human soul turns itself other than to you, it fixes on sorrows, even if it's fixed upon beautiful things external to you and external to itself, which would nevertheless be ex nihilo, nothing, if they did not have their being from you. See, the reason that creation is beautiful is because God is singing her, and he is beautiful. The strength of creation is borrowed being. Now, this is where we get back, just as a quick sidebar, to Genesis 1. Remember that text I read to you? And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. See, remember, there was nothing but chaos at this point. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness is over the surface of the deep. And then God creates light and darkness, day and night. There's no sun, there's no moon, there's no stars. But God creates us. Now, the early church fathers, you know what they believed about that? They thought that what that was describing was when God created the angels. That he created both light and dark angels. 
And what distinguished between the two was how they faced this appearance of creation. Remember, there was nothing, ex nihilo. And then there's some stuff. I mean, it was chaotic, but it was stuff. And, and, and what the church father said was, when this stuff appeared, there were angels that responded differently to the stuff. Some were so fascinated by the stuff, fascinated by its potentiality, that they adored it apart from God. It's Lucifer saying, oh, I am so good looking. It was that notion of focusing, here's God behind me, but focusing on the stuff itself. That's what darkness is according to these church fathers. But the light were the angels that said, yes, <laughs> I'm going to tie this to my head. You probably have this down to a science. Okay. The, 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 the lighted angels, the good angels were the ones that said, yes, here's stuff, but it only is stuff in the presence of God. And it was the adoration for God and the recognition that I cannot worship the creation above the creator. Interesting little thing. And what's, what's really interesting about this is is Augustine's view on what evil is. Everybody say evil. You know what a lot of people think evil is? I don't know if you know this, but most of us in modern evangelical charismatic thought are more what's referred to as Gnostic than Christian when it comes to this idea of evil. And we don't have time to unpack that other than to say we have these prejudices. Because for most of us, evil is like a thing. It's like a thing with and and if, if 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 we had something, if we had something that was in a witch's house, a shirt that was in a witch's house, a demon worshiper's house, and I told you this shirt was in a demon worshiper's house, most of us would be more creeped out about that and the presence of evil in that than we are in the idea that in this table Christ is present. A lot of us have more respect for evil than we do for good. But what the historical view of evil is not that it was something, but that it was the lack of something. That evil isn't a thing any more than cold is a thing. What is cold? Absence of heat. What is Evil, absence of good. It's not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. You get to absolute zero, you can't add cold. You know, it's absolute zero. Let's add some cold. You can't add cold. Why? Because cold isn't a thing. Evil's not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. You can, you can, it's like light or darkness. You, darkness isn't a thing. It's the absence of light. You get to complete perfect darkness, can you add dark? No, because it isn't anything. It's just the paling. You want to know what they used to call things like an evil eye. Have you ever heard the term evil eye? If you've done any literature, you've heard of the evil eye. The idea of an evil eye is an eye that doesn't function right. It's designed to see, but it cannot see. And because it cannot be good, 
it's, it cannot fulfill its telos, telos, it cannot fulfill its ergon, it is evil. So the point is, and i got to hurry up because i got to be done, because we have another service. The, the point is, is that we're part of this creative gesture. And here's what I wanted to land on. You know what God does in this? Boy, this looks confusing up here. <laughs> you know what God does in this? He invites. He doesn't do this on, a, on his own. He invites a creature into it. And the per- creature he invites into it is the human. And we read it. We don't know what God was thinking when he made the sun. We don't know what God was thinking when he made hippos. We don't know what God was thinking when he made bees or ants or recluse spiders. What was he thinking? But we know what he was thinking when he made us. He said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. What's he saying? Let them enter the trajectory. Let them enter the place where they're moving chaos into order, into good. Let them be involved in gooding the world. So the first humans guard the garden. The first humans name the animals. Why would you name the animals? Because you're ordering creation so that it's good. We're to add to the good. That's why Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? You're to prevent rot. You're to make things tastier. So that when you go to work on Monday morning, they don't think, there he is. (laughs) But when you go to work on Sunday morning or Monday morning, they think, oh, I'm so glad you showed up. You You just make it tastier. I'm so glad you showed up because things are darker when you're not here. When you show up, things are just lighter. You good the world. You good the world. That's God's dream. That's why he created us, to be rulers with him, to be co-heirs with him. But in tragic irony, the very ones God intended to help contribute to creation ended up participating in anti-creation. That's my point this morning. Whenever you face your life, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I gooding or ungooding the world? Am I contributing or paling the world? Am I contributing to the evil of the world or the good of the world in which we live. And when we talk about this whole joining together, the same thing is true. Will you participate in making this a good experience? Will you participate in gooding this union? Or will you participate in anti-creation? Because it's up to you. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. And that's really the two things, how you do it. You just, number one, if you're going to contribute to the good, you've just got to have vision. You've got to have vision. You've got to take the Holy. Remember the Holy Spirit? 
The Holy Spirit hovers over chaos, broods over chaos, and he has vision. Baby chicks, when you're in chaos, it's hard to see it. It is hard to see it. When you think things coming together and things crashing, joining volunteerism, putting people in the pulpit you're not used to, <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know if I like him. I don't know if I like her. The reality is, is what are you going to do? If you jump in and say, you know what? I'm going to just take the leap of faith and believe the Holy Spirit is in it. You're just participating in this gesture. You just push the swing, baby. If you start speaking evil of it, all you're doing is pushing chaos further into ex nihilo, into nothingness. And it will mean nothing as far as you're concerned. And then lastly, not only does it take vision, it takes love. It takes love. You just have to decide that the best outcome is on the way and not be trigger happy about judgment. That doesn't mean you can't ask questions. That doesn't mean you can't press into and say, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I had a guy that I sat down this week, and he said, all right, I'm not trying to judge you, but why are we doing this church thing? Are you just trying to spend less time pastoring? You know, you've got... The, the, press, uh, the sharps, and you've got you, and now you were preaching all the time over there, running this organization, and now you're going to be merging? Is that just because you're trying to get lazy on me? Legitimate question. I loved that he asked the question. I had a response. I appreciated he didn't have judgment. And as we talked about it, I, I, I love that. The reality is... is There's a song being sung right now in our context. The reality is, is that we are in this ex nihilo chaos world, and we're in hope of this. It may not look exactly the way we want it to look, right? But you know what? How fun it is to mess with us. <laughs> all right, that's all I'll say about it. Here's our commitment from you as leadership in this context. We're in. We are in. Our skin is in the game. All we're asking for you, from you is if you're not in, whatever the reason, whether you're confused, believe false reports, whatever, please just go away. Don't anti-create us. Now, here's the good news. Give us a couple of years and try us out again. And you may say, oh, man, you're good. And we'll love that. But don't be anti-creation people. Don't be evil. Always choose good. God bless. Let's all stand together. They are now headed off to the 11 o'clock service over there. Um, 
I was really blessed by that this morning. I wanted to just make sure that you guys knew that um, today was a bit unusual because their service still starts at 9.15. That is not how normally things are going to go. They're not going to rush in and out. And my parents said they promise next week they're going to be here the whole time. <laughs> so, so don't worry about that. But it was great to hear from him this morning, wasn't it? Wasn't it good? Awesome. Well, as you go today, as always, we want to remind you of God's blessing on your life. May we be a people who are part of God's gooding of creation, right? A people who participate in God's creative order, not in anti-creation. May we be a people who, even in the midst of chaos, recognize the Holy Spirit brooding over us and over our lives. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you safe in his arms. May he make his beautiful face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May you be guided by his grace. May he turn his countenance towards you so that you know that he's always looking at you with love. And may give you peace, a peace that passes all of your understanding. May it guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today. Have a good week. We'll see you.